again, so excited to do yet another Security Super Friends. And with me today, I have Randy Barr. And Randy's gonna tell you all about himself. He's gonna, in particular, talk about what it means to scale in high velocity environments like Zoom. But before we do that, Randy, everyone wants to know, who's your favorite superhero and why? Uh, I guess my favorite superhero would be Batman. Um, one, because he's rich. <laughs> I guess the other part is that he can, um, uh, he's built so many different tools uh, to be able to address some of the challenges that he has faced with. Um, and so with the right knowledge and the right effort, you can pretty much solve any, any uh, problems with the right uh, tools. Okay, great. That's awesome. You went DC. You know, everyone has yeah, been default. I did. Yeah, everyone's been defaulting to, to Marvel. I actually think Batman is a great uh, characterization for security, right? He, he, you know, he works out, right? But he's, you know, he's rich and he's super smart and he has to be really, really resourceful. And I think in many ways that does resemble the world you and I've lived in as uh, CISOs. So, Randy, you've had a super interesting career. You've, you know, a lot of CISO work, uh, just, you know, across great companies, across, um, you know, you were at Zoom, now you're working in the healthcare domain, right? Um, so pretty expansive. So it would be great to hear about your progress to world domination, you know, where you came from and how you got to where you are, um, just so the people listening can understand, you know, who you are and where you come from. Sure. Um I started my career out when I was actually in high school. Um, my uncle owned a business and he asked me to help him set up his network. So I helped my uncle set it up. And it was back in thick net cabling days. Uh, as soon as you get one vampire tap wrong, then the whole entire network goes out. Um, so I was doing that and soldering motherboards and started getting bored of that and said, you know what, uh, this is probably not going to be for me. I'm going to go into the military. So I went to the Marines. And thinking that I was going to be in military police, um, when I left the military, I brought myself back into a different field in HR, and they recognized how, you know, how good I was with technology. Taught everybody Excel, Word at the time this is back in Windows for Workgroup, not even connected together. Back in Novell days, if some of you remember those. Um, eventually, I became an IT person, managed an IT department. Um, moved over to Sega.com up in the city. And then I found out about this small startup company back in San Jose called WebEx. Um, so I went over there, joined that team. And it wasn't until one day that they experienced an outage and they required somebody to go and investigate. But we found out that there was a, a problem with a vulnerability on the uh, Windows device. We remediated that. And then eventually, make a long story short, they needed a security person. Um, to focus on that program over there. Um, managed a couple of teams and then decided to just focus on security at WebEx. Was there from pre-IPO to acquisition by Cisco. And then from there decided to move to other fields. I wanted to experience different verticals. Uh, went in the financial sector, went into the learning management se sectors, uh, went into a vendor, was the CISO for Qualys at some, uh, for a while. Um, and then eventually made my way over to Zoom as their product security, then their security operations. Um, and then uh, I decided that I want to get back into being a CISO again. And so left Zoom and went to a company called Intervent. And I'm their CISO over there. That's a great career. So you and I share uh, a stint at the queue at Qualys. I was there 
2002 to 2004, so pretty early days. Um, but it was a great company and still is uh, a great company. And you've had, you know, an interesting career. You know, you and I, our, our time spans, we were, were early. And, you know, again, a lot of it was, you know, necessity being the mother invention that drew us into the, into the field. So, so you've, re, you know, you've received recognition, um, you know, for being involved in SaaS and infrastructure security, right? Again, Qualys was a SaaS company. Obviously, you know, Zoom, just, you know, massive exposure, fast moving technologies. Have you made sure that security keeps up or stays ahead of these trends? And in particular, I would say, you know, with the advent of like what you probably saw at Zoom, where you're talking a volume metric scale, how is, how has security been able to keep up? Again, you know, we're so outnumbered and outgunned, um, particularly when you add CICD in there, cloud native velocity, it's really hard to keep up. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about some of the things that you've seen and what you've done to be able to keep pace. The, uh, well, there's a lot of uh, uh, community or the security community is pretty strong out there. Um, and if you work closely with the security community, there's an opportunity to learn more about what other people are doing. And that's something that I've recognized early on uh, from local um, chapters, um, participating in the Cloud Security Alliance, uh, working for companies that embrace working with other security professionals, uh, setting up um, security council meetings, um, working directly with um, uh, folks that has been in the industry for some time as security leaders, uh, presenting some of the things that uh, you need to look at, how do you address it, what you're thinking of doing and getting feedback from them. It also helps to get different security leaders from different verticals to uh, participate in some of these conversations as well. Qualys, we did uh, that, uh, or Qualys did that early on. Uh, they pulled in a lot of security uh, members or pulled together a security council and talked about you know, the different approach that they're taking when it comes to security. Uh, leveraging that relationship uh, to understand what some of the challenges that they're faced with and how it, uh, you know, how, I don't want to use the word compliments, but how it uh, mirrors some of the challenges that you're having too. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, there's a large team of bad actors out there and working in a silent environment doesn't make sense for security professionals as you're probably aware. You know, we need to work together and understand um, what skill set other people have that might benefit you. And, and there's a lot of security people that are willing to help. I think that's a great point. Um, I think participating in community is so important. I Listen, we just don't know everything. In fact, the nature of our job oftentimes is dealing with um, what is what was an unknown unknown, right? Some, some bad guy, some bad actor, some malware, a vulnerability that maybe existed for even years um, and now is disclosed. So now it's a, it's a noble unknown. And so having to be able to leverage a community and to learn from people I think is just key to the nature of the uncertainties that we face. So I think that was a great point. Um, so thinking about, again, dealing with unknown unknowns and getting again to the more of the velocity sort of thing and talking about your experience at uh, Zoom and including even the experience during the pandemic, how did, you, how did you manage what was a high velocity software development cloud native oriented environment, right? Heavily distributed. How did you keep up with the speed of development? Meaning how did you operationalize security in a way that was non-disruptive yet still, uh, still effective given 
lots of software development, you know, again, continuous integration, continuous deployment. Tell us a little bit about what you did there. Sure. Um, so I can't speak to directly what we, uh, or all the details at Zoom. Uh, what I can share is some of the experience that I learned over the years. And that is that, you know, there's certain environments where you put in, where you have time to build out your security program. Um, and when you build out your security program, the idea there is to apply the right tools at the right time um, and make sure that you have the right resources. But when you grow as a company and as fast as uh, some of my experience has been, um, you need to make sure that you have a strong collaboration with other team members. Um, you can't survive in a fast growth environment unless you have the executive team or large um, team members that are working alongside of you. Um, in uh, some of the experiences that I have uh, in, in, in that type of environment uh, include individuals that are willing to say, look, Randy, I don't want you to have to worry about an agreement. Let me handle that. If you need to bring in a vendor, go ahead and evaluate that vendor. Um, if you also need help, here's some procurement people that can ask the right questions. Let's remove the, um, the stuff that you don't need to worry about from a security point of, um, from a non-security point of view and hand it off to somebody else. So there was a strong team dynamic uh, that I've experienced in a couple of other companies uh, that is very crucial to, um, to making sure that you're growing the organization right alongside or growing the team right alongside the organization. Uh, there's a lot of things that you have to look out for. Uh, one, are there tools that exist today that can scale to the size that you're growing into? Um, two, are there policies or in the, are, are the policies that you have? Is it, is it something that you need to revisit now or is it something you need to revisit later? It really depends on the regulatory compliance you have to adhere to. Uh, what are some of the commitments that you already have for some of your customers? Some of the compliance requirements that your customer that you've agreed to um, and whether or not that's, uh, um, that's uh, a strong uh, or that will continue to grow along with the company. Um, the other part is as you grow your team, um, there's also the culture within that team that you need to maintain. Um, I've experienced certain growth in other companies where team members thought that losing some of the responsibility handing off to a new team meant that they're no longer needed, which is not true. Communication, transparency, letting them know that they're needed and letting them know, trust me, there's plenty of work for us to do. Here's some examples, but also giving them the bigger picture of when you think the next phase is going to be, not where the company is eventually going to be, because that could be a little far out. We still need a team to grow into that. But what are the iterations that you're going to have to look at? For example, um, we're going to have to hand off certain functions over to the IT team, have them responsible for the security at the endpoints um, and, and let them handle that. What we'll do is shift the responsibility of policy enforcement, policy um, reviews on our end and making sure that we also have audit capabilities to ensure that that's in place. We no longer need to manage those endpoints. Um, let IT handle that. So the team experience that I had is looking and dissecting each of these programs in a way that allows other teams to take that responsibility on so that you can be better focused on what you need to do. Um, the, um, the one thing that I've also would uh, highlight is if you grow as fast as you as, uh, as some of the companies I've been at, uh, the other thing that you need to watch out for is duplicate uh, duplication of uh, projects. Um, as you grow fast, there's other team members that uh, are looking at, oh, I need to do the same thing. Let's, uh, let me give you an example. Uh, the endpoint, um, 
I'll use that as an example. If you're going to be deploying security at the endpoint or at the desktop and laptops area, uh, when you already have team members that are having that responsibility to initially deploy, select, um, and uh, uh, maintain that, you might have another team that's growing that may think that they need to also do the same thing and hire for that. Communication between teams is gonna be very important. Having an agreement on the responsibilities and the projects is also gonna be very important. Having a tool to manage that project is crucial. Um, and also access to those uh, project tools is gonna to be very important. Um, when I was going through the experience that I was going through, one of the things that I would do every time I would wake up is go through our project tool and look through the list of what I'm doing. Um, trying to see if I have the right people to have access to that information and whether or not they're up to date. For some, when I'm working on projects, if I think that they're gonna be working on it as well, then I set up weekly meetings with them. Transparency and communication, I can't say is, uh, is I, I can't say that enough, it's very crucial. Um, the other part, uh, another example is how do we um, embed security very early on? And uh, that's when we need to identify who are the stakeholders, who are the people, who are the users of that service, and how do we ensure that uh, we get in front of this uh, to make sure that we have the right process in place to be able to address any security uh, potential gaps that might come up. That makes a lot of sense. Again, I, I hear a theme that's a great theme for, again, for aspiring leaders to hear is that you know the role is very communications heavy. Um, I think it was Microsoft that said SD3, then they added it, they made it SD3 plus C, so secure by design, secure by default, secure by deploy. And then they realized, oh my gosh, there's a C, which is communications. Um, and in fact, it's perhaps most dominant now. Um, you started leaning into at the end there, uh, a conversation about, I'll interpret it as shifting left. I'll call it shifting left. And what do I mean by that? That um, you, we have to find a way to enable, in this case, I'll say development, uh, DevOps, that's right, enable development to be have some responsibility for security because we're a small team. It's, it's one security engineer to 100 developers, right? And oftentimes it's, it's even a, a worse ratio than that. And so we have to find a way um, to allow these teams who are moving really fast, doing you know, hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of deployments a day, um, enabling them to be able to do security. Can you talk about how you've done that, be it at Zoom or otherwise? Again, how you've shifted left, meaning giving, instead of security saying, okay, here's my team that doesn't know what you're doing in development, doesn't understand your infrastructure. I'm gonna come in with tools that may or may not apply and I'm gonna figure it out. Not doing that, that doesn't work anymore. We, you and I know that shifting responsibility and enabling. Can you talk a bit about how you've done that, um, be it at Zoom or otherwise? Um, yeah, so the uh, developers are, um, you know, they're, they're focused on, uh, on development work and uh, that's their primary responsibility. Some of them have some security experience, but uh, they're, they're focused on delivering what uh, the product team would need for them to deliver on. And so one of the things that I've seen work well is uh, making sure that we involve them in the security side of the house. There are tools today that allow some for some training of those developers, um, actually share code and show them, here's where some of the vulnerabilities uh, may, you may wanna look in these lines of code to be able to identify where the vulnerabilities at and then work through that training that allows for them at the end 
to do some testing to say, could you go ahead and find this vulnerability? Um, and uh, there's different types of uh, modules available to developers to be able to um, go through that. So if you introduce that piece of it, uh, training is gonna be important. Another part that I've adopted way early on in my security career is when I did assisted source code review for other companies, um, one of the things that I did was leverage that pen testing firm to build out a training module. Um, the closer you can get to the code um, allows for a developer to understand why certain things exist. Also putting the pen testers or the individuals that found that code to be able to have that conversation with the developers also is very important. Developers will only focus on certain areas. They have some security experience, but allow them the ability to ask the right questions so that they can learn from it is another important step. Shifting left is uh, very important. We gotta be able to uh, make sure that we identify some of those vulnerabilities early on as possible. And some of those include implementing tools. Uh, and those tools would allow for any static dynamic code analysis. Um, but more importantly, when you start releasing or having major release, should you start involving either third party or your offensive security team, depending on how big your, your organization is, to get involved in that, uh, to be able to have access to that source code, to be able to do some of those tests quickly. Um, the automated tools can only look for certain things at, you know, for only a certain amount of things. Getting talented individuals to be able to think creatively, uh, we'll be able to find some of the other items that uh, most other bad actors would find once you release it out to the public. Um, having a process in place, making sure that you have enough information that uh, gives the developers an idea of what it is that you found um, is also important. So uh, training those uh, folks is important. You can add a bunch of tools and automate those tools. Uh, which is also very important too, but uh, I think the connection back to developers is key. Right, that makes a lot of sense. So tell us a little bit about your new role. You're at Interven. Uh, tell us about that. That's a shift, obviously very different from Zoom. And what are some of your goals there? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to be <laughs> implementing a security program and also managing the IT program over there. Um, and it's a little over a month now. Um, and we are reassessing the security program and establishing a baseline of uh, what that security program looks like. Um, so imagine uh, working on the ground up and identifying opportunities to improve on that as we continue to uh, grow the organization. Um, I also, you know, from experience, one of the things that I'm thinking about is what are the tools that exist today and how does it scale to, you know, 5X or 10X? Um, and if it only scales up to 5X, what is my plan for after that? So I'm also building uh, a little uh, backup plan just from lessons learned over the um, several years. So I'm making sure that I stay on top of that. Um, the other part is, so that's security side. Uh, and the other part on the IT side is, do we have uh, the right solutions in place? Are they all integrated? Are we making the right decision for the company and uh, what we wanna do? And then going back again to scaling, um, how do we scale quickly without interruption of the service? Um, because the, the work that we're doing is very important. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, again, you know, I'd say lessons learned. Going back to your idea of having you know, a consortium of leaders you can talk to. I'm going to say this from experience. You know, a lot of the lessons we've learned are lessons that came through tough trials, right? It's, it's, you, know, you know, in security, you can make a right decision 
this is, it happens with us a lot of times. You can make a right decision and still have a bad outcome. You can invest in the right people, process technology, and still, you know, the sort of Damocles, I talk about this often, still drops, right? Um, and so, and having a community out there which you can learn from and then to help you do things like you just suggested. Like you have a plan, but you also have this, you know, this backup you're talking about. I think that's an interesting area to explore, um, something we could perhaps talk about more. So my last questions here. So what do you think people should know about key trends in security, including cloud native development, you know, enabling product development? So what, you know, what are some of the trends you're seeing? What are the things that you think are, uh, you know, maybe being overlooked that shouldn't be? Um, just some of your, your your futurist or near futurist thoughts on security. I think the biggest one that uh, everybody's also looking at right now, uh, I'm really focused on this uh, this moment is the uh, the users and where they're connecting from, how they're connecting to work. Um, the individuals are the ones that I continue to think that are the opportunity to improve on security, um, not just training, um, but also finding ways for them to make their lives a little bit easier. We have individuals that work from home. Um, there, we have no visibility into the network. We don't know what else is connecting on that same network. Um, we're seeing targeted attacks to individuals. It's something that we've been talking about for many, many years. But now that we are working more towards not just a remote, now shifting more towards a hybrid environment, whatever is happening at home, they can essentially bring that over to the, uh, the office when they do come in. Um, users using other people's laptops within their home network, uh, the list goes on and on. Um, so I think that uh, looking at technology that helps um, introduce additional controls for those type of users at home, um, but also looking for different types of training and maybe even shifting the approach of training, not necessarily focus on work-related training, but how could some of that actually impact their own personal um, life? If you start getting closer to how it impacts them personally, I think they're gonna start thinking about security a little bit more. And I'm sure this is a conversation that a lot of my friends and I have had, and um, that's kind of the conversation that we've had around awareness training and awareness, just secure, general security awareness. Right. Well, this has been great, Randy, you've been super generous. And again, if I were to summarize some of the takeaways here is, you know, you really have to surround yourself with a, a community. And I know that we hear this a lot. I think security leaders hear this a lot, but I think it, it's a, you need to be strategic and thoughtful about that. Because again, we're just not going to know everything. We're never going to know everything. Again, we're going to have hundreds of swords of Damocles that are ready to drop at any point in time. And we have a complex set of requirements, not just dealing with cloud native development and software and velocity. We have remote people, right? Who are connecting, as you said, from who knows where, right? Um, they're not just remote. They're probably increasingly, even now that we're maybe emerging from COVID a bit, they're gonna be migratory as well globally. And so how do we you know, think about those two worlds where we have third-party SaaS-based development or when we have our users and how do we secure that? And that's gonna require us to be talking to a lot of people and getting, um, getting feedback. I really love your idea of having a backup plan you know, it's like, you know, you have a strategy or a new company, you're going to build out a security program, yet you're already thinking about, you know, what are the contingencies and you're doing that early on in your first, uh, first few weeks. So I think that's great feedback for others. But Randy, I really appreciate your time. You've been, again, super generous. And we look forward to continuing to watch your uh, ascent to world domination. <laughs> great. Thank you. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Great.